happening we're here what the hell's in the background there man this is the, this is contra which we didn't discuss very is much. that contra this What's is that? the game contra this is the very end i know contra but why do i not recognize so this? at the very end of the game you have to blow up a beating heart <laughs> don't you remember oh, I never made and it, it pulsates faster and faster and faster and it's those things behind the heart are shooting at you the whole time and you're you have to you sound like you've got a little trauma man it's weird it was a weird game <laughs> <laughs> a weird game yeah yeah well i've got good news What's i that? bought a couch on saturday or sunday yesterday that's yeah, good news <laughs> that's all that's all great leading <laughs> yeah I bought a couch. so you're saying you've been comfortable that's great yeah well no it's not here it's because of covid it's a 22 week lead time oh my god um, yeah shout out to west elm for actually being faster than everywhere else which was even longer um, so, so yeah, I'll get, get my couch. This. Let's get into this for a second. Is it sectional wraparound? What, what's the plus? Uh, I don't know what it's called. Like my, the, the, my, like the designer helping me called it some fancy word, but it's like an L-shaped situation. I don't know, man. I don't. Know. You hired a designer, huh? Oh my god, Andy, please. I, I don't want to be sound like pretentious, but like you don't want me to buy the couch. <laughs> like my shit will look like a astral world, you know. But um, yeah, she's helping me. She's great. Um, Ashley is uh, super helpful and she's figured it all out for me. But um, dude, I've lived here for two years. I, I, I'm still in my apartment couch because COVID killed my vibe and like, yeah. it's, oh my God, I need a couch. Anyway, that's okay. the big announcement for the week. That's huge. With well, the big, the big, <laughs> it's huge, I, I man. I got a Peloton. That, that's big. Oh, did you get a Peloton? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, people love those things. I don't have one, but people love those things. It's a really hard workout. It's great. Yeah. You want to hear something crazy? So my neighbor out in front here, I face their window. I'm, we're, I'm on the first floor and that's their first floor. And he gets on that Peloton and dude, he goes hard. Like he goes, hard. I can see him in there and he's like, you know, doing all the things. And I'm like, oh my God, that, that's intense. That's an intense situation. I'm working my way up to that vibe. Well, there's a, I know there's a group, there's like groups, right? There's like entire. There's a lot of cool stuff on it. I mean, honestly, dude, I'm just trying to survive on there. Yeah, yeah, man. It's hard. Just, I'm glad you did it. That sounds cool, yeah. man. People love it. So okay. I think you're going to rock it. So let's talk about our friend, man, who also like shreds, but on the guitar. Sandeep Kapoor, the managing associate at Oric. What does that even mean? We have to ask him. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean. Is that like super senior associate? That's what it sounds like. He, he's. He's uh, really knowledgeable in our space. And he is. I didn't know the answer to this as to how he got that. He worked at Ghostery, which is the, or interned at Ghostery, and then worked with Todd Ruback, who's like yeah. a, a, a veteran privacy officer yeah, in the Latin marketing space. And uh, so Sandeep got his tech chops from Ghostery, which is, is you know, as good a place from ad tech land. And oh, yeah. to get, um, and our buddy Colin was one of the founders of Ghostery. So like that's yeah. a, that's an ad tech gem for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I remember when Ghostery first came out. Um, you remember the little plush toy ghosts that they were passing out? Yep. I have a fucking drawer full of those things. I stress love those. Ball. Stress ball. Yeah. Little stress, little stress ghost. Yeah, I love those things. 
Ghostery is a cool company, man. Um, yeah, and some some deep badass, man. I'm excited to like listen to some tunes and talk some shit. This will be fun. Yep. yep. All right. Well, I'm right, let's get to it. Episode. Bleeding Explicit. heart back there. All right, man. Explicit episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So deep. All right. <laughs> uh, should we can like record this on Pro Tools? All right. Are rip we into it. Pro, are we gonna whip out Pro Tools, man? Are yeah, rip into it. Yeah, man. All right, let's do it. Yeah, this is rocking it out. Yeah, we need to create a YouTube channel where Sandeep just rocks out the guitar and we stare. This is the vibe. Did you did you play Take On Me before? Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> I love Perfect. this so much. Is this your basement or your attic? Where are you? This is the second floor of my house. Oh, okay, cool, man. It's like a little studio. I like this. Yeah, setup, yeah, man. yeah. Are those little doors back there like trap doors for like, you know? Escape hatches. In case I don't want to get on a certain call, I just kind of go in there and slide. Those like long diligence calls or environmentals going like half an hour over. I just kind of. Oh my god! Oh my god! That that's like a real deep cut. The 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 diligence reference to environmental going over. Like (laughs) that's a deep cut. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, that's still my life. Hold on, let me put this away for a second. He's got a baby Yoda back there too. Pedro. Where is it? I right, don't see it. Right on the right on the pedal board. Like the pedal board there. Oh, I see it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was an adorable touch. You know, that was like $50 on Etsy. Can you see mine? I don't back even there? watch the show. Can you see mine back there? I don't think you can see mine. Uh, right over the right Okay, there. I can see it. I can there see it. Is. Yeah. <laughs> right next to Bob Ross. Yeah, yeah. That was a gift. I run this like uh like Latino Slack group, Latino lawyer Slack group, and everybody knows I'm obsessed, so they sent me one. It's kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, super dope, super dope. Well, we started off with a musical number, so we know who's going to be. Like, you got to be like our Branford Marsalis, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good idea. Play yeah. us in, Sandeep. <laughs> every every episode. <laughs> You guys, you gotta, you gotta be here every episode. Just play some tunes, man. Uh, I'm cool with that. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, who does your, who does your theme music? Gonzalo Veloz, our producer. Our producer. He's a plus producer. He's a man of many talents, including jingles. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's the vibes. He's the vibes. But we got to get you incorporated. We got to do like a whole thing, Andy. We got to do like. We, we, you know what we've never done, Andy, is like bonus special episodes. Like we haven't done like a holiday episode. Like what kind of podcast is this? What kind of fucking podcast? This is shit like a like a Christmas thing or a That's holiday I mean. thing where we like yeah, do different yeah. songs. You know, like Maybe. we gotta do a Halloween episode, and we've gotta dress up ridiculous. This is coming soon, and we need like scary music. We gotta do the whole thing, man. We got we got like like instead of like boogie monsters we have to have like DPAs and shit you know like do the DPA be privacy themed that's what I was gonna ask like do I have to dress up like Max Shrems or something <laughs> yeah dress up and, as and scariest like... litigants or you know like DPA like I'll dress up like Johnny <laughs> Ryan or something <laughs> and it's Ryan. like 
Oh, that's with a bunch of people in button-down shirts, then. <laughs> I, I'm definitely coming as Edward Snowden, just so you guys know the vibes. Um, we're, we're, we're coming in strong. Nice. Oh, you're like camera zooming in. I kind of like that. Oh, yeah. What is this? Got a portal. Shout out to Facebook. Uh, but um, it's pretty good. It kind of does the thing. So I like oh, that. Oh, that's bird. sick. Yeah. Gotta get something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, send me your address. I'll get, I'll get one of these things sent to you. They're pretty good. Beautiful. Nice. Um, Great to have you with us, buddy. This thanks, is man. Sandeep, Appreciate it. The managing council. Is that your title? Yeah, managing I think that something like that. <laughs> managing council. I don't know. Uh, does that mean associate? I think. Does that mean you have a team of of like underlings that that do that stuff? do my bidding? Absolutely. Yeah. If there's a privacy policy I don't want to mark up, I get someone else to do it for me. Oh my God! What power, dude? Oh, it's it's incredible. It's the little things. The DPA, in my view, has gone the way of the NDA. It is, it is a, like, we will never escape it. We just have to keep doing them. No matter how far along you get in your career, you're always going to have to manage those things. Always, it feels I like. Know. Yeah, they're like a standard now with everything. Yeah, and, you know, like, it was like the GDPR standard for, like, the longest time. Actually, it still, still is, you know. It's like, you know, they, all the provisions are essentially based off of the GDPR, even when the GDPR does not apply. And then trying to like get people to be like, you know, the GDPR doesn't apply here. Having you give me consent, having to get your consent for every subprocessor is a huge pain in the ass. Could we mm -hmm. not do that? So, well, it's our policy, you know, that we have to do this. Gotta have a policy, man. I just, I just looked at myself in video and I feel like I need to explain all of these cuts and bruises because I just saw them. I thought I, that was like some sort of like skin disorder or something. What happened? Dude, so yeah, so I see this little thing here that looks like a gunshot and then this. So, you know, Andy, I skateboard and I was like super motivated on Friday. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go show these youngins that I can still move. And uh, I paid the price. <laughs> I just paid the old. I paid the price. I, I am forty years old, man. I, done, I was just gonna say you've done two things recently that that remind you that you're forty. So one is, I guess, obviously what you just described on the skateboard, yep. and the other was eating seafood at a at a at an auto race. <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's <laughs> that was a grave mistake, dude. Can't do that anymore. You know, by the way, you know I'm like gluten intolerant. Are you? Did I tell you this? No. So now I've got gluten fucking intolerance. And so speaking of food shit, last night I was with a friend and we went to eat at like one of my local favorite restaurants here, which is now on my shit list. But like I'd never had a burger there because I was just like, I figured the buns were, you know, whatever. And the guy's like, no, man, we've got gluten free buns. And so I eat this burger and I'm like, this is the best gluten free bread I've ever had because it wasn't fucking gluten free. So I had a hell of a night. <laughs> At the night of a lifetime last night. So anyway, <laughs> that's the vibe. So hey, go Hawks. At least the Hawks won. I was sitting in the couch curled up, feeling like shit, watching the playoff game. But, um, you know, Atlanta's in a good mood today. We're very privacy-centric today. This is good. This is really <laughs> yeah, I, I like when we don't don't get into it right away. I have a whole, we have a whole week of privacy yeah. and weekends. So we can, we can start off with non-privacy-related things. Before uh, we got on, though, I was poking around at a packet of information that was sent to me about the new standard clauses. And it was like, you know, a bunch of stuff about them that, that you know, and, and I started flipping through, it had been a long time, flipping, flipping through the new clauses and their modular approach. Yeah. And I gotta say, my first impression of that is 
very, very, very not positive <laughs> of that experience. Well, but, but, but here's the thing, like, yes, the modularity is an interesting approach and I've tried it in contracts and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And we'll see how helpful this is. I, I'm skeptical like you are, but there's an underlying problem. Like you can write whatever you want in these modules, but like companies can't represent some American companies are going to not be able to make some of the representations that are in these clauses because of American law. Like yeah. there's a political problem here that needs to get solved. Why do we keep creating words on papers without coming to an agreement? I don't understand. Not to mention just words and, and Sandeep, you jump in in a moment, but like work, like yes. words and not just like challenges, but like I'm looking at it from, from you know, my seat in a, in a 160 person company. It's a lot of work. Yes, and it's expensive. To, yeah. And also, it's like impossible to comply with as a U.S. company unless that's the point. Like, that, that's exactly the point. So it's like a whole like legal fiction, you know? Like, it's a fiction, man. And, and you know, but, but, but honestly, and I, look, I know people are trying, and I, I don't want to like knock them all the way down because it's 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 clearly an effort at I don't know. Never mind. I don't like them. But uh, <laughs> but, but but here's the thing: your, your your point about it being a legal fiction is true, but it's also sort of a trap. If, if companies aren't careful and they agree to these things, like they're putting themselves in a possible like misrepresentation scenario, like, you know, especially if they get like a, a, a you know, a, a request under U.S. law to comply with some of the things that are contradictory to the promises in these contracts. Yes. Like, what? Sandeep, you mentioned diligence, you know, sort of jokingly before, but like, I always come at it from that mindset. Like if I am a smaller company and one of my goals maybe is some sort of liquidity event, which involves diligence at the end, when they're, when that party and that party's law firm in particular are going to be looking at my agreements, like what are they going to see when they look in there? Whole bunch of inconsistency, potentially, if I'm not on top of this or I'm, if I don't have an approach that is at least in line with, with, you know, some similar approach to, to what that company is taking or what the world seems to be taking. Like it's a lot of work and a lot of attention for a small company to have to pay and have to pay, you know, significant legal fees to get, you know, the, the, the absolute cutting edge advice on it. So that when you hit that moment, when, you know, you're betting the company moment, like you don't just fall apart in diligence and have them look at you and go, you may not blow the deal, but they'll look at you and they'll go, they're a mess. And it's a lot of work for you to clean up. And maybe there's another company that isn't a mess. Yeah, no, but honestly, that really depends on the firm that's diligencing you, right? Because I'm sure they're diligent. Did you just make a verb called diligencing? Oh, that's yeah. a verb. I a think so. Time. That's a thing, right? No? That's been a verb for a long time. Yeah. Is that a word? People use oh, that yeah. word? That's a I've big, done due diligence a uh, hundred times. I've never, I don't think I've ever. I guess conducting due diligence, it just seems tighter to say diligencing. That's an AMLAW 500 crew. That's a, that's a English fiction. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I'm here for it. If you're like, okay, so if a company is conducting due diligence <laughs> on, <laughs> on they, your. For your commitment to grammatical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, the, the parties, the parties have come together. <laughs> Yes, the parties have come together, witnesseth, or, you know, and the company's going to see if you have standard contractual clauses, honestly, in your agreements. And then they're going to write in the memo, you know, like they have standard contractual clauses, um, you know, Shrems too. However, you know, a lot of companies are dealing with this. And I, I feel like it's not going to be like a huge thing. Like, Good. you, you don't comply with Shrems too? 
I'm pretty confident a political solution is on the way. You are confident. I'm Why? confident. Me too. Why? Just because? I have strong confidence. Yeah, just he's a confident guy. I'm just a confident guy, man. I mean, I have nothing to base, base off of too, but like from your text I, I mean, with if your texts with Biden. Yeah. You say what? From your texts with Biden. I was talking to Joe on Saturday <laughs> and I was like, listen, man, no, but a true, I mean, look, I, I obviously have some connections to the administration. I, I, I feel confident. And I really don't say that from any firsthand knowledge or insider details, but like, I know that it's a priority and the people working on that priority on our side are really good. And so un, like when you send good people to solve hard problems, they usually do. And so that's, that's why I have a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, do you think we escaped the, the clauses, though? I mean, even when we had Privacy Shield, we... But if they do, like, Privacy Shield 2.0, right? Like, With, let me like, give you a real-life Let me give you a real life example. Yeah. I, at, at my last company, we had Privacy Shield, and we were doing model clauses a lot. Mm, uh, yeah. And we had internal model clauses between our entities, <laughs> for transfers between our own entities. And I got onto a a diligencing scenario uh, <laughs> nice. with a large law firm and a, a lawyer in Europe on the other side. And he was asking me about transfer mechanisms. And I explained what I just explained. And he said, why do you have both? Why do you have both of these mechanisms? And I said, well, I mean, this is a couple of years ago. And I said, well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the privacy shield or you know, and, and I said, my outside counsel and I discussed it and we, we, we came to this conclusion and there was a pause and he's very insultingly said, who's your outside counsel? <laughs> and, uh, and I said who it was. And by the way, it's, you're like, Sandeep. He, shut up, he shut up right after I said who it was. <laughs> and, and then like several months later, the privacy shield is invalid. I almost <laughs> wanted to call the guy and be like, you motherfucker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, like, but, but, but I guess what I, I guess what I'm saying all that is a you know a ruse to tell that story, which I like. But like, aren't we just going to be in the same scenario? Probably. But yeah. the good news is that nothing changes from scenario to scenario, right? Like, safe harbor was invalidated. The root, this fucking ceiling was burning, but it wasn't. You know, and then then there was privacy shield, and then I'm sure there will be privacy shield 2.0. Like that's what politicians and diplomats do. The point is they, that it's pushing out the invalidation by like another two. Three, that's all it is. You know I mean? That's all it is. It's like political machinations. Yeah. To just allow business to flow, like that's all it is, and um and it'll just be like okay that one will get invalidated in three years or whatever, but like that's fine as long as you know, data can flow. But I do think there is some room. Look, I don't think you can harmonize GDPR with some American laws. I also think there's some, I've said this before, but I think there's some hypocrisy in the like, well, we don't want the American government to do exactly what we do, no, right? We like there's a, there's a lot of that it built into this thing, right? Um, and, and, you know, having to negotiate a compromise under those circumstances is very difficult, right? Um, US law, not compatible with EU law, plus there's the like, obvious position that US diplomats would take, which is like, well, where, like, why are you not subject to the requirements? Just try to subject us to, right? Like, and why do you, you get access to all the intelligence that we create 
Um, you know, but then you tell us how, like, you know, that, like you want to put uh, parameters around how we create the intelligence that serves you so well in your particularly like counterterrorism efforts, right? Um, and national security efforts. And so, like, you know, I, I can see the difficulty in those negotiations. But I think Sandeep's right on. Like, they'll come up with a solution. It'll be a Band-Aid. It'll be, you know, a 36-month Band-Aid. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably just be repeating that until we retire. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure about this. Sandeep. They're not, look, look yeah. Pfizer, Pfizer's not going anywhere, guys. I don't know if you guys realize that. It's not changing, okay? EO, bunch of numbers, whatever it is, off the top of my head, I can't remember. It's not changing. It's not going away. Biden's not going to walk back that executive order. It's not happening, Okay. Like, like, think about the American political consequences of a terror attack in light of like walking back some of these protections. It's never going to happen, guys. Yeah, for the GDPR, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's never exactly for GDPR. Like, get serious. And so, like, this goes to to me. This goes to the heart of the point that I've been talking about now for almost a year on this podcast, which is like privacy fundamentalism is really the biggest obstacle for good quality global privacy protections because it just exists in a vacuum. And it thinks that it's the absolute end all to everything. It doesn't want to take into account all of these other factors, one of which is national security we're talking about here. But another one is access and fairness and freedom of access and all of these other uh, you know, things that are also very important to people around the world. And so um, anyway, sorry, I'll shut the hell up. I'm, I'm getting fired up. I'm getting fired up. Pedro. Preach. I'm getting fired up. I'm getting fired up. I'm getting Sandeep, fired up. When, did you, when did you recognize or realize two things? One that you were going to do so much privacy work and two, like that you were going to do so much like European legal work. Oh man. So I knew I wanted to do privacy for my one L internship in law school. That's early. Really? really rare. So I, um, I went to Vanderbilt in, in, uh, Nashville and, uh, I did like one of those alumni interviews for like admissions. Like I thought it would like make me like a more suitable candidate or whatever. And then, you know, law school started and he gives me a call and says, I have this friend and she works at this company called Ghostery. So, you know, Ghostery, like the browser add-on um, company. Oh, they do a lot of other stuff too. And it's like, you know, would you be interested? This is like this new field called privacy. This is around like 2012. Uh, so not exactly new, but, you know, not, you know, as huge as it is now. And... Um, I was like, yeah, I'll check this thing out, you know, like, and then I got an interview with them, got the gig and it was, you know, privacy, but it was also ad tech, right? Cause it's a lot about like, whoa, a lot about like the, the pixels that are on your browser and all that kind of stuff. I worked with Todd Ruback. I don't know yep. if you know him. And, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, from then on, I was like, this is going to be huge. Um, and it was such a cool internship and like the subject matter was so complicated with the whole ad tech thing. So from 1L on, I knew I wanted to do privacy. So my second internship was at CA Technologies where I also did privacy with Bonnie Yamens. Um, you know, there was like a kind of a more omnibus program there. So I did other stuff as well. And um, I didn't do OCI, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I had, when you're in law school, like you really don't know anything. Right. And so like you think I knew everything. Yeah. You know, well, Speak for yourself. I mean, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you, dude? I knew everything. I meant I meant in terms of like, you know, like career wise rather than uh, I was a wise sage. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for me, no 
what I kept hearing was like, oh, well, working at a firm is terrible. You you don't want to work at a firm. You know, it's the worst thing ever. You know, go in house. If you can go in house, that's like the pot of gold, the end of the rainbow. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to do that. I'm not even going to go work at a firm. You know, privacy is like, you know, this like hot thing or it's going to be this hot thing. I can just go straight in house because everyone's going to need privacy people. Um, turns out that was not how it happened. Um, <laughs> You know, when I graduated, I ended up getting a fellowship at the New York City Law Department, <laughs> not mm. doing privacy. Um, and then that's when I, uh, you know, went on to LinkedIn, you know, found my love for LinkedIn. And I messaged somebody at PwC being like, hey, I think I can really help. Um, it was for a consultancy position. And the person responded and I ended up working at PwC. That was cool. And then I was, as I was driving to a client site, I really felt like, you know, I really feel like I need to be a lawyer and do this as an attorney. It's just different as a consultant, it's like different scopes of work, you know. As I was driving to a client site, I saw a sign for a law firm in New Jersey, Lowenstein Sandler. And I went on LinkedIn and messaged the head of the privacy practice there and said, hey, are you looking for anyone, basically? Um, and she was like, yeah, actually, we are. You want, why don't you give me a call? called her had an interview got the job and you know the rest is history went to uh paul hastings in dc um and now i'm at oric in dc i'm in richmond virginia right now but you guys worked together at when you were at oracle pedro with paul hastings i i, I don't think we worked together did we no i don't know I no i don't so. think I'm, so I, no no maybe I was the with, privacy practice you might yeah rob and ben those guys did a lot of stuff for me k whitner is one of my closest friends he runs the litigation at paul Hastings. Rob, rob silvers yeah rob silvers yeah. oh nice yeah he and just moved to um dhs yeah DHS, DHS. yeah and ben dineem right yeah ben yeah yeah, yeah. Had, oh, so nice, nice. Two, yeah he was my uh are... he was my like direct supervisor basically is that right all right yeah yeah ben, those, ben two did guys, a lot of those two guys took pedro and myself and vivek from shopify uh out to breakfast at the hay adams in oh, DC. Nice. and that was probably the last iapp event maybe the in person that we i think that's true man to. that breakfast oh, nice. yeah i think that's true man, it's that's been awesome. a long time shit yeah. now i'm getting sad but yeah rob <laughs> shout out to rob who's now mr i think he's what is a deputy secretary like some fancy I think, I think shit so. like that yeah, yeah so he's, he's awesome He's at DHS. He worked hard on the campaign too, man. I, I was on his team on the campaign. He did a lot of cool stuff, man. Um, he's a smart, good guy. Um, so's Ben and so's Kay. These are these are good. Paul Hastings is a good law firm, man. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. And Rob is such a cool guy. You know, he's so he's laid just, back, dude. But yeah, he's yeah. done the things, man. He's done the things. Yeah, I got the vibe. Have that was the first time I ever met him. I got the vibe from that just that one meeting uh, from him. You just tell like you can just tell like. This guy's really good. Like yeah, he's, he's really good. He's he, he's he, he's really good lawyer. He's like he's got that in. He has that intangible. You know, like there's an intangible thing you can't even really describe it. That you just like, yeah, this guy's gonna do a lot of really interesting things or yeah, or, you know, be helpful. Look, I, I think he's one presidential cycle away from being a secretary of something or other. DHS. Um, like he's 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 one cycle away and. Um, yeah, I'm really proud to have worked with him on a bunch of stuff, man. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, you usually just tell, and maybe as like people who are not at law firms that hire outside counsel, you can probably tell. Like, do you have like a sixth sense of like, okay, this person's full of shit? Well, this, yeah. is this, this is a good topic. Legit. This is a good topic, and actually, I would say it's one of the reasons that I like you. It's oh, because you are 
in my view, a little bit of like an in-houser in, in an outside council's body. Yeah. And I think we've so that's some of what, what Pedro and I look at it really similarly, and I think a little bit differently in some ways. But uh, I look for, it's hard to suss out the intangible. Some of it is just who's not going to lob a memo over a fence and then walk away sort of like here, good luck. And then who's going to give you really good actual product advice. Um, and so for example, there are certain attorneys, whether they've been in house or not, it almost, for some reason, it, it, it doesn't, you can't divide the line that way. They just have the ability to give you actionable product advice versus like just privacy advice. There's two different things. I mean, it's one thing to sort of tell you what the law says and be willing to kind of walk through factual scenarios with you. But it's another thing where you say, here's what my features do. Here's what my product actually does. And then that, that outside counsel and you have a discussion about like, okay, what should the features do or not do in the future in order to, you know, cover off on, let's be honest, a lot of gray area within the world of privacy that we live in. That That's for me, but I just need to hear Pedro's thoughts too. I, all of that is true, but there's another dimension for me that really matters, man. Like, first of all, outside counsel is expensive. Um, yeah. And sometimes when you're like in the trenches on something, um, you got to spend a lot of time. With it. So I got to like you, man. Like, it's just that simple. Like, um, there's a lot of outside counsel that honestly don't understand. Like, you know how doctors, you say like, you, you measure their bedside manner. I, I don't know what the equivalent of that is for lawyering, but there's some equivalent and some outside counsel just don't have it. I don't care how substantively smart you are. And like some names come to mind. They're well-known people in our space that just like working with them is annoying um, yeah. or it's lame or it's boring. Like we're working, like when I call outside counsel now, I mean, I'm in a more policy role. So I, I use outside counsel differently than I did when I was in a more legal role, right? Like now it's more like consulting uh, model versus like legal rep model, right? But like, if we're going to spend all this time together on a project, man, I got to sort of like feel energized to work with you, right? Like, and, and excited. And it's not about like, oh, I need to see myself in you and like these, like, you know, you reflect all my biases, but it's one of those things where it's like, if we're not having a good time doing this together, man, like, yeah. what? And you have some sort of personality, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people um, are afraid to show their personality at work, especially yeah. if you work at like the whitest of white shoe firms, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. like some like expectation, you know? That like this formal garbage. I hate it, by yeah. the way. I can't stand it. Yeah. I mean, you have to like adjust your personality based off the circumstances. You're not going to be shredding guitar and like a rep and warranty insurer call, you know? But like. Yeah. What if you did, though? Well, if you did, they probably think it was sweet, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Go like, this faster. is the best one of these ever. Yeah, so, but I think I haven't found the client that that's going to be the guinea pig for that, where I'm going to try that and see yeah. what they think. Yeah, but I do have a call later today, so we'll see. Rip it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Rip it, bro. So I think that's really important to like, also it's like your, slow, your soul will die like a very slow death if you're like not yourself at least a little bit. We had a work. conversation, yeah. uh, we had a conversation with one of, with Scott Lashway, who just, actually came out a few weeks ago, yeah. who is the, the chair of uh, privacy and cyber at Manat. And he was saying like, he said one of he was like he went in house he was at mass mutual and then he went back out to a law firm and pedro and i were joking with him about that you know how could you do that how could you ever do that 
And he said, I didn't leave private practice because I didn't like it. You know, I left private practice because I really liked the opportunity at Mass Mutual. And when I came back, he said, I've had the opportunity to build my own team, work with people I really like. I enjoy working with them and we have fun and I have the ability. And I, so I guess my, that is me saying that's just not, that might be the case at some law firms, it seems, but it doesn't have to be that way. And it's yeah. not that way everywhere. There's lots of law firms now that I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're in one and I'm not, but are that are recognizing like everybody's got to have, as you said, a life, a personality, things that they're about outside of this is, you know, Alice's thing, the five to nine. You have to have a five to nine. You're not just your work persona. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah. Sorry. I, I just want to say one thing. Like, I'm really frustrated with the like nine to five, five to nine dichotomy. Like, I feel like you should just be who you are the whole time. Like, why can't we bring our authentic self to work? Why is that a liability? I mean, if your authentic self is nuts, I get it. Okay. If your authentic self is lazy and like problematic, I understand. But like, if you just have a unique personality or if you have in, unique interests or you, you know, you're, or maybe you're just quiet. Like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to be performative like I am, right? Or, or like Sandeep is, right? Like, we're outspoken people. Maybe you're just quiet at work. Why is that bad? Like, what, you know, can we just be ourselves? Like, what is the problem? I, I, it's, just, it's like the desire to be accepted and just like social anxiety. It's, I, blame, I mean, some places I, I blame, are like this, you know? Like, I've, I had to bring my, so, you know, when I was working uh, in New York, I had to bring my pedal board and my guitar to work sometimes. And sometimes, you know, people sometimes took issue with that, you know? Like, I remember walking in, someone's like, oh, we're just like letting guitars in here now? It was like something an actual person said. I was like, first of all, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Second of yeah. all, don't you know me? No. <laughs> That's a really strange thing to, for someone to say. Yeah, but it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, a story I tell all the time, it's not the exactly the same, but it's sort of on point. When I worked at a law firm, I had a, I, I had a great law firm experience, but I had a weird couple weird moments. And the weirdest moment was this one. As you can see, I like hip hop music. Um, when I moved into my office, I brought a Nas Illmatic album cover that was framed or a record, like the record that was in a frame. And I hung it on my wall. It's my favorite album of all time. And not a day or two went by uh, where, you know, senior white male partner walks into my office and just asks me about it. And if you don't know what that album cover looks like, it's a childhood like portrait of Nas. It's his face. Mm -hmm. um, and in the backdrop are the Queensbridge projects in New York City where he's from. So it's not like it's some crazy album cover either. And I also it was actually two. And I had a cover uh, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan album was on the wall. It was two. And that one is nine black guys in ski masks um and so uh, the partner comes in and goes hey like I, I, and i'm paraphrasing but it was basically like does that reflect the professionalism and tone of the office type of conversation and i said i think you're asking me to take this down is that what you're asking me to do and you know he generally he basically was like yeah it does it's just like not professional i said cool i'll take it down when you go down the hall and you tell the white associate to take Elvis kissing cousins off the wall and you go downstairs and you tell the other partner to take the Grateful Dead tour poster off their wall. I'll take this off the wall because I don't see the difference between the three at all. Right. And it's, so there is some bias and double standard about eccentricity and idiosyncraticness or idiosyncrasy. Right. Like if your idiosyncrasy is in line with the normative group, like I'm obsessed with golf and I have a bunch of golf shit on my wall, that's fine. But if you're obsessed with basketball and have a bunch of black guys on your wall, maybe that's not the same. And what's the difference is my question. Right. 
Like, what's the difference between a Larry Bird poster in my office and an Allen Iverson poster in my office? I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> Did you take it down or no? Hell no. <laughs> they got me confused. That was pretty <laughs> badass of you. What, what, uh, what year associate were you? Well, I came, I joined the firm after being in government for a while. So I was a mid, like I was like a fifth year associate. I think I came in as a fifth year. And associate. just for clarity, I don't think it matters, right? I think like, yeah, I agree, firms, there is like some, there's like an obsession with hierarchy, you know, which yeah. I think is like disappearing. Like, like at yes. Oric, you know, it's, there's no like that kind of, there's not that kind of like pretension, you know, but there definitely is like, you can't like talk back to a partner, yeah. you know, like a lot of law firms. Yeah. Um, and at consulting firms. Yeah, it's got a lot of, because... it's got a very prime, law firms, and I've only worked at one, and I did have a good experience, but there is like a primary school energy there where like the partners are the teachers. And it's infantilizing. It's infantilizing. Yeah. I had, I had an infantilizing law firm experience. Oh, really? I had, yeah. I mean, I had a, 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 a partner boss. In, in fact, I was clerking for this judge and the judge said to, knew my future boss and said, <laughs> you know, went out of his way to say something nice to him. Like, yeah, I think, you know, I think he's going to be good for you. And he, and he said something like the judge said something like, I think he'll be good for getting new business. And he sort of said, like, I think he's got some, you know, savvy for, for maybe being, and, and the partner was like, I don't need that right now. Like, I just need some, you know, and like I, that story was relayed to me and I didn't think enough of it at that point to recognize that that's, not an ideal scenario. No. I think you need someone that's going to mentor you and grow you, help you grow. And like, I was so new, you know, like to your way earlier points and deep, I knew nothing. Like, yeah. you know, you have zero, zero understanding of what the job actually is. Like knowing what a tort is, doesn't help you when you walk into a law firm at all. <laughs> <laughs> what is a tort? But um, you know, what's interesting know. though, let's tie this back to, <laughs> let's tie this back to privacy in a way though. The people doing the most interesting stuff around privacy and fairness and algorithmic transparency and all this are super young yeah. and mostly women. Like the best books out there right now on the topic are women, are, 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 are written by women authors. It's not even close. Like it's not even close. And like, like you know, um, Joy at MIT, she's not even a lawyer. She's doing more for privacy than any of us. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, you know. It, Oh, maybe she, no, she's not a lawyer. She's definitely not a lawyer. And so like, there's all these interesting, fascinating, quirky people doing the most innovative things and they're not following these old constructs. Um, and so I don't understand like why law firms are so behind in like embracing that and stick. Well, I do understand why the billable hour is how they all got rich, but, um, like, but it's just like, there's so much evidence to show that like, Allowing fresh, smart, they'll catch, sharp, up. They'll, they'll catch up. And I think they are doing, and, and, and we have to wrap soon in a minute here, but like Oric, for example, if I think has like participated in tech venture and like, there's a lot of things that yeah, law firms are doing. Like Manat, Manat does that too. Companies. Manat has a tech venture fund. Like there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they invest in legal startup companies, like legal tech startup. Also, they have, a, which is pretty cool, and this is not like, but I don't want to make this into like raw, raw Oric, right? But like, um, <laughs> they have like 50 innovation hours that count towards your billable hours where you can create stuff, like create like a CCPA questionnaire instead of having to call a lawyer and get charged like $3,000 to go through if you're covered or not. Um, it's just like stuff where it's like, and I imagine you probably feel this way, like 
you don't spend $800 an hour going through like updating your privacy policy or at least getting like, you know, the first draft done. What I think I've found is that a lot of clients want like the information at their fingertips, you know, like on more automated basis, like, cause they're very talented. They just need like a little bit of a push of like, here's like templates that you can use. Here are some practice tips. Um, we can help you, but it's not like we'll do it all for you. And, you know, cause you don't pay well, a lot of times. Rates. Yeah. Sandeep, a lot of times I think it's just the validation of yeah. the, the validation that your thoughts are in line with someone else's. That yeah. Like having someone who's not drinking the Kool-Aid, like at your company tell you, yeah, this is good or no, this is shit. Right. Yeah. And the, the other big value, I think, and I'm always critical of law firms, but obviously they play a role. Um, the other big value I get from like outside consultative help, even outside of the context of just like legal rep, is um, you guys get to see what like you obviously can't bring specific knowledge from your other uh, clients, but you serve a population of clients and you learn from that, which, for example, I've been in house seven years. I know what three companies do and I know what they do really well, but I have no idea what like the ecosystem does. Well, I do, but like, I don't have as much of a good idea as like you would because you yeah. represent all of these companies. And, and well, so that law firms, law firms can do that. Cool. VCs. We joked once with Greg Rayton about like, like our VCs helpful, <laughs> but, but actually the pattern matching is helpful. Yeah, and, and, that, and that same thing happens with, with outside counsel. Yeah, yeah, benchmark. The benchmarking is huge, right? Well, what yeah. do others do? We want to be in the middle of the pack. We don't That's want right. to, you know, be in the fronts, and we don't want to be in the back. And it's like, well, here's yeah. what other people do, and it's like, okay, That's let's right. just do that. Well, hey, hey man. Can we, but can we wrap with some more guitar? Like, yeah. So one thing first, yes, if he's willing, yes. But also one thing I want to clarify: when I load these podcasts up, I use this platform called Anchor, which Spotify owns, and you can make little selections and things. And there's a button that says explicit or not. So I've, I've I'm I'm checking the button for this one. Yeah. Oh, man. you know what I think would be hilarious if we like every time we curse, we got to talk to Gonzalo about this. We bleeped it out and we just kept the curse word count at the bottom. I'm like, every time, like, and, and whoever has the most curse words at the end wins or something. Like, uh, like, no, no, this one was too. We need to keep this one tight. There's too many good, good lines. Awesome. We, uh, I was listening to some other podcasts or some other episodes and there was definitely cursing involved, right? This is not a new. No, you're, this is middle of the pack. I want to benchmark here. Yeah, yeah. Benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> We're on target, man. This is quality. Good. Oh, well, now I want good. to be the front of the pack. Start cursing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we gotta leave with some. We gotta leave with some shredding, or else this episode just wasn't yeah. worth it. <laughs> I, agree. I agree with that. All right, here we go. This is it for the podcast. Yes.
That was everything I hoped it would be. Can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine Sandeep ripping ripping into that on his call later today, and then being like, "And that's why we can't agree to that third sentence in this rep and warranty." Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we need to assign a contract in case of a uh, merger. That was epic, man. Thank you. That was you bless us with music. This is a good episode. I'm glad. Thanks for we being. Did. Thanks for being with us. Yeah.